Hi, hello and welcome to this wonderful new episode of The Lives and Styles of Old Hollywood. Today I will cover Greta Galbo, and she is known as one of the most beautiful and memorable stars of classic Hollywood. Her personality, her beauty and the mystery around her made her a literal legend. So let's start, as usual, at the beginning. So Greta Louisa Gustafsson was born on September 18th in 1905 in Södermalm, Stockholm, Sweden. Her parents were working class and worked in factories and as laborers. Greta, her parents and her two older siblings lived in the Stockholm slums. Greta graduated from school at the age of 13 and never attended high school, which was quite typical of a Swedish working class girl. Throughout her life, she would suffer from an inferiority complex caused by her missing education. Her beloved father would die from the Spanish flu in 1920, when Creta was only 14 years old. She was interested in acting from a very young age onwards. She was a daydreamer and she loved to direct her friends in make-believe games and performances. Her ambition was becoming a professional actress. Apart from that, she was a very shy and reclusive girl. Nevertheless, she took up odd jobs, first as a soap lather girl in a barber shop or at a department store running errands. When modeling hats for the store, she got an offer as a model for the luxury department store Nordiska Compagnie. In 1920, Greta was filmed in commercials advertising clothing for this particular store. Her appearances caught the attention of a director and she got her first movie role in a short comedy, which was called Peter the Tramp in 1922. Subsequently, she studied acting at the Royal Dramatic Training Academy in Stockholm for two years and was approached in 1924 to play a starring role in The Saga of Gösta Berling. Maurits Stiller, director of the movie, became the mentor of Greta. He trained her as an actress and he managed her career. She then played a part in Germany under the direction of G.W. Pabst together with Asta Nielsen, whom she greatly admired. What came next was Hollywood. There are actually different versions of how Greta Garbo snagged a contract with Louis B. Meyer from MGM. One is that Meyer was interested primarily in director Stiller and that Stiller demanded Garbo to be part of the contract. The other version is that Meyer was more interested in Garbo than in Stiller. No matter the circumstances, Garbo was brought to the US in 1925 when Stiller and Garbo arrived in New York together. After a devastating six months with no word from MGM and on the brink of returning back to Sweden, a Swedish friend helped contact MGM and arranged for a screen test in LA. As soon as Irving Torberg saw the screen test, he signed Garbo and started to groom her image. He got her teeth fixed, made her lose weight, ordered English lessons, and he started to cast her in roles as a young, worldly wise woman. Torberg is the genius behind creating the Garbo image. All of her silent movies were instant hits and made her the primary MGM star. Three of Garbo's movies were filmed with John Gilbert as a leading man. Their chemistry on screen translated beautifully off screen and they started an affair during the first movie and started living together by the end of it. Garbo became even more successful than the silent movie queen Lillian Gish. Critic Pierre de Rouen wrote about Garbo. She has glamour and fascination for both sexes, which have never been equaled on the screen. As Garbo still had a thick Swedish accent, MGM tried to delay the switch to sound as much and as long as possible. But eventually, Garbo did make the transition. 
successfully say. In 1929, Garber was cast in the MGM movie Anna Christie, in which she spoke her first words in a movie, which were Give me a whiskey, ginger ale on the side and don't be stingy, baby. The movie became the highest grossing movie of the year. She followed the success with a few other sound movies before she finally accepted a starring role in Matahari in 1931, as well as Grand Hotel in 1932 opposite John Crawford, John Barrymore and Wallace Beery. Those two movies were the highest grossing of the respective years and Grand Hotel won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Garable was called the greatest money-making machine ever put on screen. Three more movies with Melvin Douglas followed and the world was caught by a whirlwind of Garbomania, a fanatical worldwide following of Garbo fans. When her contract with MGM expired, Garbo did not renew it, but returned to Sweden instead. Only after a year of negotiations did Garbo agree to sign another contract, but on the conditions of starring in the movie Queen Christina and increasing her salary to $300,000 per movie. Queen Christina, with Garbo and John Gilbert as a leading man, became the highest-grossing movie of 1933 and was Garbo's celebrated return to the screen. Although the movie was not without scandal. In some scenes, Garbo disguised as a man and kissed a female co-star. Of course, the censors objected. As Garbo now showed a preference to star in historical and costume dramas, her success was not only dependent on the US market, but largely on the European market. Primarily because of the Great Depression setting in, the US market seemed to favor US actors and couples. Anna Karenina and Camille were successful both in the domestic market as well as overseas. The closing scene of Camille was especially touching, as Garbo put all her grief about Torberg's sudden death into her acting. The young producer's death at only 37 plunged all of Hollywood into a state of grief. And as I said before, he was the one who was instrumental in creating the Garbo image. And Tolberg and his wife Norma Shearer were quite close friends of Garbo in Hollywood. Greta Garbo received a New York Film Critics Circle Award for Best Actress. And Garbo herself considered Camille her favorite of all of her movies. Box office failure conquest, though, made Garbo return to Sweden and put her on the first published and now infamous box office poison list. What happened next? Well, MGM decided they needed to change things up, and they cast Garbo in a comedy, Ninochka, under the direction of Ernst Lubitsch. It was the first movie ever that Greta Garbo laughed in, and this fact was marketed heavily to audiences, and the movie was a great success. Greta Garbo herself called 1941's Two-Faced Woman her grave. It did perform quite well at the box office, but was critically panned. It was her last movie after 28 feature films at age 36. But she did not officially retire, but it was more a matter of circumstances. As her success was largely dependent on the overseas market, she thought she would continue her work after the war. Although she always was a bit indecisive, as her friend Salka Viertel said. She was eager to work, but also she was afraid of it. She was also worried about her age, because there were wrinkles and ailments coming along. Nevertheless, she signed a contract with Walter Wenger in 1948. She did the screen test for the movie, she learned the script, and she arrived in Rome to film. But the financing fell through. She was also offered the role of Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard, which famously went to Gloria Swanson instead. 
Throughout the remainder of her life, Garber was approached with movie role offers, but she declined most of the time. And when she did accept, she walked out of the contract of the smallest things that went against her wishes. She actually said about her retirement from Hollywood, I was tired of Hollywood. I did not like my work. There were many days when I had to force myself to go to the studio. I really wanted to live another life. So what is actually the allure and the image of Greta Garbo? What is her secret of acting? As film historian David Danby puts it, Greta Garbo lowers her head to look calculating or flutters her lips, he says. Her face darkens with a slight tightening around the eyes and mouth. She registers a passing idea with a contraction of her brows or a drooping of her lids. Worlds turned on her movements. It was her understated acting and intense facial features that made her so mesmerizing and magnetic on screen. And especially her eyes were one of a kind. Or as director Clarence Brown said, Garbo has something behind your eyes that you couldn't see until you photographed it in close-up. You could see thought. If she had to look at one person with jealousy and another with love, she didn't have to change her expression. You could see it in her eyes as she looked from one to the other. And nobody else has been able to do that on screen. Right after her first movie, Greta Garbo became known as the art deco diva. Glamorous. In her personal life, though, she preferred simple shoes and shirts, cigarette pants, trench coat, big sunglasses and slouch hats. Garbo is actually credited with being the original style icon for the slouchy hat style. What is also known about Greta Garbo is that she was quite eccentric, that she was quite different from the other actresses in Hollywood. It was during her fast ascent to stardom at MGM when Garbo started to make headlines with her eccentricities on set. For example, she demanded black screens to shield her from the view of others and she prohibited any visitors on set. Greta Garbo never socialized, not even during her first years in Hollywood. She never signed autographs, she never answered fan mail, and she rarely ever gave interviews. And she never went to the Oscar ceremonies, not even when she was nominated. And this was not an act, this was not a publicity stunt, that was her authentic personality. She was afraid of strangers and was often referred to as the Swedish Sphinx. Initially, MGM was desperate and was at their wit's end on how to promote this recluse, this weird Swedish woman. But ironically, even though Garbo hated publicity, she became the most publicized woman of the 20th century because of her very wish to not be published. So this is something to think about. So what about her private life? Although Garbo hated the general public and socializing with strangers, she always had close friends like Irving Thalberg and Norma Shearer or Salsa Fiddle, who was Austrian-born and worked at MGM as a screenwriter. And there was also Baroness Cecile de Rothschild, who was a close friend of hers. Garbo was extremely moody and expressed her own suspicion to be depressed and she was rumored to be bipolar. She did collect artwork and did have an art collection worth millions at the time of her death, containing works by Kandinsky, Renoir and other notable painters. She became a naturalized U.S. citizen in 1953, bought an apartment in Manhattan and lived there for the remainder of her life. Her friends were never allowed to call her Greta. She preferred other names to stay incognito, like Miss Harriet Brown, Gigi or Miss Garbo were the names she preferred instead. One very interesting relationship she had was to Samuel Adams Green. He was a New York City art collector and curator 
who was in the habit of taping all of his phone calls. And he taped all of his phone calls with Kretter as well. And they were given to the film archives of Wesleyan University. And they showed the late Kretter Garbo, her sense of humor and her eccentricities. Kretter Garbo took daily long walks around Manhattan, either with a companion or alone, but always donning large sunglasses. And it became a sport for New Yorkers and tourists alike to spot the famous actress on the streets. She kept her privacy until the end of her life. She even ran away from people who wanted to approach her. Although she was a bit weird, maybe, she was a savvy businesswoman, as she wisely invested most of the money that she earned in stocks and bonds and was able to leave an estate of roughly $72 million to her niece at the time of her death. How was Kreta Garbo's health? Well, Kreta Garbo actually got treatment for breast cancer in 1984 and six-hour dialysis treatments three times a week. She died in 1990 at age 84 from pneumonia and renal failure, so her kidneys failed. She was cremated in Manhattan initially, but her ashes eventually transported to and interred in Stockholm, her birth city. But what about the love life of this screen legend who seems so majestic, who seems so aloof, who seems so different from a mortal woman? Well, the enigma of Greta Garbo indeed is related to her relational status, as she was never married, never had children, and mostly lived alone as an adult. Her most famous romance was with John Gilbert, her frequent co-star. Apparently, Gilbert did propose to Greta Garbo several times, and she apparently agreed to marry him, but backed out the last minute as she did not want to be bossed around. In Ava Gardner's autobiography, it is revealed that Gilbert is the only man Garbo has ever loved, but also that Gilbert had an affair with an extra on one of their movies, and Garbo never forgave him for this. In later years, though, Garbo admitted that she can't remember what she ever saw in Gilbert. Other notable affairs were with orchestra conductor Leopold Stokowski, Erich Maria Remarque, Cecil Beaton and Russian-born millionaire George Lee, while the latter was still married to costume designer wife Valentina. But Greta Garbo is also thought of to have been predominantly lesbian. Her affairs with women include Lillian Tashman and Louis Brooks, Mercedes Diacosta, as well as Swedish-born Mimi Pollack. The legacy of Greta Garbo will live on for the ages. She was a tremendously gifted actress with a very particular way of acting and being. What I learned from her life, though, were a couple of lessons, just like always. The first one, stay true to yourself. Greta Garbo did lose weight. Greta Garbo did get her teeth fixed. But she was still Greta, who didn't want to socialize, who didn't want to become this social Hollywood girl who's just talking to anyone. She wanted to keep her privacy. She didn't like people very much. And she kept that attitude. And that made her more beloved than any other star at that time. So stay weird. Keep your weirdness, because this is going to be your greatest asset in living a life that is truly yours and also a life that is distinct from others. Second, love who you want to love. So if it's a man, it's a man. If it's a woman, it's a woman. If you want to be alone, be alone. There's no shame in doing that. So you choose what you do, with whom, and when and where. Always be the one in charge. Third, your business is your business in the sense of if you are making a career, if you are doing dealings, 
Do them wisely, do them on your own terms. This is how Greta Garbo made successful career as an actress. She invested wisely in stocks and bonds. She was independent for most of her life, or basically all of her life. And you should do that too. So stay your course, do it wisely, and never let others be in charge of your life, your career, and your finances. So this is what I learned. I hope you learned something as well. And I can't wait to talk to you next week when I will cover another great personality from old Hollywood. Have a wonderful week and I can't wait to talk to you. Bye.